Helen Keller once said that walking with a friend in the dark is better than walking alone in the light. I think I'd have to agree with that. Up until the age of 11, I'd grown up as an only child. And with that comes certain behaviors that aren't necessarily conducive to lasting friendship. As an only child, you're accustomed to being the center of attention, for better or for worse. You probably usually get your way. You mostly get everything you want. But there's a downside. If your parents aren't necessarily intentional about regular play dates, you might not develop the critical skills of sharing and consideration of others. Hearing myself say that out loud and looking back on it, I remember having very few play play dates. It wasn't for a lack of my mom trying because she, you know, she wanted me to have friends. But she wasn't necessarily somebody who had a lot of girlfriends, at least not that I can recall. I mean, she had her core group, but they were um, either people who didn't have children at all or most of them didn't have daughters. So that made it a little bit more challenging. Then there was also the minor complication that when I did have play dates, my number one requirement was that the kid bring their own toys because sharing my toys just wasn't my thing. And that's probably the reason why those play dates became less and less frequent. Around about the time I hit eight years old, my parents separated and that made my already challenging life just a little bit more complicated depending upon how you look at it. On one end of the spectrum, I had two homes for the price of one. On the other, it took more effort for my life to continue to resemble something that seemed normal. And it was tough because, you know, I was a little kid. I didn't really understand the word divorce, let alone separation. I just knew that I was with my mom during the week and I saw my dad on the weekends. And there was a lot of back and forth about that. Not even, you know, between them having, you know, like a, a war of words, nothing like that, but just the literal back and forth between the two houses. That all changed for me one weekend while visiting my dad. He told me to go outside and play at the playground. Now here, I'm probably aging myself a bit, mind you, because this was back in the day when it was still mostly safe to do that and say that to your kids without parental supervision, right? I reluctantly did as he asked, and to my surprise, there was another kid already out there. After a few minutes of awkwardness, she and I got down to it. And as best as I can remember, we played for hours. During our time of getting to know each other, one of the things I learned was that she also had two houses. Another secret she shared was that she, like me, lived with her mom, routinely got to visit with her dad after school and for weekend activities, and she absolutely hated it. Like me, she didn't necessarily understand why they couldn't all be together but things just were the way that they were. And she had to figure out as best she could how to make it work in her eight-year-old head, just like I did. Suddenly, getting to know her, having her for a friend, playing together all the time, my life started to feel normal again. I had found my person and we became inseparable all throughout the various seasons of life. That first encounter was almost 40 years ago, and I'm both proud and happy to say that she and I remain close to this day.
Now, here's the thing. As sweet as this story may sound, I'd be lying if I didn't also share that our friendship definitely hit a few rough patches as we entered our 20s. The quote-unquote why for those patches is almost completely foggy now. But what I can say is that that distance taught us what being a good friend actually means. Time and maturity are key to this. In my case, among the many things I learned were that if my adult friendships were going to work, I couldn't be selfish, inconsiderate, or lack compassion. I also had to be more patient and forgiving than I'd been in the past. Oh yeah, and I absolutely had to use my words to communicate effectively. My 20s were an interesting time. So much had changed. So much had happened. I became a wife and a mother. I quote unquote lost contact with a few old friends while also having made connections with some new ones. Being a military spouse, that contributed to the challenge of navigating my 20s because Everything and everyone that was once comfortable and stable constantly got uprooted because of my transient lifestyle. And that lifestyle also probably had a lot to do with how I showed up as a friend in those days. It was like this kind of um, feast or famine type situation, except with people and not things. What I didn't expect, though, was that for as much as some of my relationships brought me joy, there were other relationships that either caused me frustration or, in a worst-case scenario, heartbreak. Still very young, from a maturity perspective, I didn't fully know how to navigate this change and this feeling in the midst of everything else that life had been throwing my way. And so I started to become an emotional recluse with all my stuff pretty much locked behind a vault. Then as I rolled into my 30s, I was almost forced to learn how to have tough adult conversations. And some of those conversations were far more difficult than others. But in the end, there was a lot of healing. And that healing was gained either through the acceptance that a relationship really was over or that air could be cleared, perspectives considered, and then a way forward pursued. One particular relationship of mine began with a more than three-hour conversation that ultimately resulted in a meeting of each of us um, together, but in a place that was halfway around the world. Like, y'all, I'm not even kidding. Closure came after an opportunity to have dinner with a friend literally in another country after years of silence and disconnect. And you know what? I'm so grateful for that experience. Now that I'm in my 40s, not only do I understand it better when the elders say, just keep living, I also understand that I'm a different person. I take things to heart in my relationships differently than I did before. Now, taking it to heart means more than just listening and hearing and then trying to consume. It means for me, at least, that I don't take things personal from the perspective of offense, but I do take things personally from the perspective of fully and deeply honoring each of my relationships for what they are, because those relationships make up my village and each of them represents a different role in who I am as a person. And so as a result, they impact how I show up and when I show up. 
And honestly, I'm not even ashamed to say out loud that I am such a better friend now. But here's the thing too. One of the best examples that I have for what being a good friend is continues to be modeled in the relationship that my 17-year-old daughter has with her best friend. They've been through some really tough things together, things that they should never have had to deal with at their age. But holding each other's hand through those things has caused them to really become heart connected. They are fiercely protective of and loyal to one another. And the single most important thing that feeds the continued growth of their relationship is their willingness to talk about any and everything and to get extra help from the adults in their lives if and when needed. And you know what? I absolutely love that. I admire that in them and I hope they never lose it. My only concern though, honestly, is what happens next year when they each head off to college, potentially in different places. So y'all, real talk, I'm asking for you to pray for us as their parents because we definitely need it. That aside, where I am in life now, my most intimate friendships are committed relationships where there is an unspoken emotional trust between us, coupled with respect, loyalty, honesty, laughter, a whole lot of love, and so much more. These relationships are a critical component to my mental health because they help relieve stress and anxiety. They contribute to my ability to problem solve situations in real time. They offer sage wisdom and accountability. And honestly, they power my growth as a person. Even with that though, I'm still human. So if I'm put in a situation where that emotional trust that I spoke of a second ago is broken, it honestly takes some real effort to work through that. Forgiveness is one thing, restored emotional trust is another. As I share all of this with you guys, there are so many things, so many thoughts running through my mind. So for all of you listening, what do your friendships represent for you? How do you show up in them? Have you had to walk away from some relationships? How did you know when it was time to walk away? Are there things left unresolved in some of your friendships that have set, that have then left emotional residue that needs healing? Who do you need to forgive? Whose forgiveness do you need to ask for? What will it take to get to a place where you can have the tough conversations that not only support your growth, but push you to practice the extension of grace and compassion to yourself and others? And are there friends you lost touch with because life got hectic? I feel like there are so many relationships that were interrupted in the midst of COVID. The world shut down and we were forced to be alone. So if I'm thinking about this and how life happens and how life gets hectic, my personal opinion is that there's no time like the present to reconnect to check in and just say hello. So many people are dealing with so many things and we never know the specifics of those things and what it takes people every day just to try to put a smile on their face and grin and bear it. So just by saying hi, I'm thinking of you, that could really be all that's needed to help them keep putting one foot in front of the other as life continues to happen. 
lots of questions, and any combination of responses. In all of this, please know that there are no right or wrong answers. Just what is most appropriate for you to have a way forward that creates and sustains opportunities to be a part of a healthy relationship with yourself and with others. Relationships that feed your soul. So here's a few more questions to consider. How do your relationships feed you in real time? Who are you in those relationships? Are you able to be your authentic self? Do you know your friends' love language as it pertains to your friendship? Do they know yours? And let me pause here and just say the idea of love language in friendships is something new to me. I recently interviewed a young college student, and this was something that she mentioned as a component of how she supports her friends and how she expects their support in return. She makes it her business to know their love language, and she does what is necessary to rise to the occasion of that, you know, with with what is reasonably possible, right? And she expects nothing less of her friendships, and they have done it together. They have done it well. They have done it in a way that allowed them to show up for one another in the little things and in the big things. And I just think that's beautiful. I think it's extraordinary. And so again, do you know your friend's love language and do they know yours? So much to consider here. And I encourage each of us to always make the time to explore it and then make the behavioral adjustments where necessary when necessary, because your heart, your mind, and ultimately your peace depends on it. This has been Healing for Your Thoughts. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, remember to live well and with intention. All my best, Charlie.